You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Yishemesh Israel 5783, 2022. This week we don't have a Parsha. We will be reading about Sukkot, the holiday we presently find ourselves within. I'd like to share with you a thought related to Sukkot, specifically related to the concept of taking the Arba Minim, the Lulav, the Esrig, the Aravis, the Adasim. What is the concept behind it? So there's a medrash on the Pasuk of Lakachna Lachemayim Arishan. The Pasuk tells us, the verse says, you shall take on the first day. On the first day of Sukkot, we have an obligation, Midoraisa, from the Torah. And in fact, all seven days is an obligation on our Abayas, on the Temple Mount. Midorabonon, our sages said, that there's an obligation throughout all of Sukkot. Lakachna Lachemayim Arishan says the medrash like this, an amazing medrash, some very beautiful ideas. Riyabu Bar Kahana opened up the topic, speaking as follows. Kechum Usari Val Kosef. Pasik says in Mishle in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10. Take my Musr, take my spiritual guidance, and veer away from money. What does this Pasik teach us? What is, this, what is the concept contained in this verse? King Solomon, the wisest of all men. Kechum Usari Shaltera Al Kosef. It is better to take the Musr, the teachings of the Torah, the harsh teachings of the Torah, the spiritual guidance of the Torah, and not money. Veer away from money. Pasuk says in Isaiah, similar idea, chapter 55, verse 2. Why will you take money instead of taking bread? Lamatim Shekhem Kesef says the Medrash. Lamatim Shekhem Kesef in the Esav, Belaylechem. Why do you take money in front of Esav? Which we have to know what this means. What does it mean to take money in front of Esav? Instead of the bread, without bread. Do you know why you have to give money, according to Mephoshim, and perhaps we can explain it based on the Hemshech of the Medrash in another way. Mephoshim explained it means that why are you paying taxes? Why do you have to give so much homage to Esav, to Esau, to the West? It's because you didn't satisfy yourself enough from the bread of the Torah. The Pasuk continues there in Isaiah. You are working so hard without feeling satisfaction. Why is it that you are working so hard? The the nations of the world, they're, they're getting satisfaction. We work for them in a certain sense, right? We're providing them with what they want or with what they need. Working hard, maybe we're also making some money along the way. But we're not satisfied. The Jew is never satisfied unless the Jew connects himself, tries to have a severe satisfaction from the wine of Torah. The Pasuk says in Mishlei also, You shall drink the wine that I have poured. What is it that gives satisfaction to the Jew? It's not working hard and making money. No, I'm sorry to say. Yes, it's true. Jews are good at that. But that's not what gives us satisfaction. What gives us satisfaction is working hard, toiling in Torah, enjoying being satisfied from the wine of Torah. That's what we need to be seeking. If, if we are not doing that, if we are not properly satisfying ourselves from the bread of Torah, from the wine of Torah, so then, we're going to end up paying a lot of taxes. We're going to end up making a lot of money. 
right? Enough to, to pay a lot of taxes. But we're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to be happy. We're going to see what this has to do with the concept of, of the Lulav, with the Esrug. How does this connect to our holiday of Sukkot? So, in the name of Rabbi Yaisi ben Oiroi, they said as follows. It speaks about the fact that if somebody is pressuring somebody else, somebody is pressuring somebody else to give them money, even a Gabay Tzedakah, right, in the times of the, in the times of the Medrash, also in further times, so, there was a certain levy, a tax, that was levied upon the members of a community that to give a certain amount to the Gaboy Tzedakah that would be distributed amongst the poor. So Gaboy Tzedakah, a person who was in charge of collecting this charity, so they would have to pressure each individual in the community. So that pressure doesn't have such a good result. Okay, because when you're pressuring somebody to give tax money or to give, to give uh, a tax that's levied on the community, so the result is... Not a positive one for the one who's doing the pressure, who's applying the pressure. But there's an exception to this rule. Somebody who is a, someone who is a cipher, a teacher of, of Torah learning, right? What is the money that they take? Right? There is an obligation to pay those who teach our children Torah, right? But what is that money and what is that obligation? It's not the same as someone who's leaving a tax. Rather, it's considered schar batal. They're not being paid for something that they're doing. They're not being paid. You can't pay somebody for the mitzvah of teaching your child Torah. Right? It's called schar batal. They could have been doing something else. At that time, they could have been working in another vein. But they chose to teach your child Torah. They chose to be the rabbi of the community, let's say. So such a person, they receive what's called schar batal, which is remuneration as if they were doing something else. They could have been doing something else. But the measure seems to go off on a tangent, but it's actually the point. It says that when it comes to the reward for Torah, the payment for Torah, the payment for your Rebbe, the, the, the one who's teaching your child Torah, the payment for somebody who is the rabbi of the community, the payment for Torah is unlimited. It's not something that you can quantify. It's something that's... There's no, there's, nobody can understand the incredible power, uh, the incredible reward that, says, that comes as a result of someone who studies the Torah. Okay, so the first thing we saw, first point was that give, it, give up your money for Torah. Right? Don't, don't trade in something eternal for something ephemeral, which just passes. Second point, can't imagine the scar. The reward that awaits somebody who's learning Torah, who's teaching Torah. Tony, a few more points in this medrash, just a beautiful medrash, some ideas you might know, some ideas you might not know. We find there's a general concept as we just went through Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we had a din, there was a judgment upon us, it was going to be with our year. Rosh Hashanah has decided how much parnas a person is going to have, how much livelihood a person is going to make. But it does not include this cheshman, the calculation of how much money a person is going to, to have for his needs, does not include what he spends on Shabbos and Yantif, which he spends on the holidays. 
and for Rosh Chodesh. And the money that's given to the children to pay their, to pay their teachers. It says the Medrash an amazing thing. If you spend extra money on Shabbos, you don't lose that money. They give you more money. They, they add on to the amount. It always is going to end up that you have more money. You can spend as much as you want on Shabbos and on Yontif and on paying, on paying tuition. Yes, paying tuition. That money will come back. But if you pay less, if you spend less, you get, you get less. Okay, so there's a promise here. The promise is, whatever it, it's, when you connect to Taira, when you connect to something spiritual, says the Medrash, when you connect to something spiritual, the rules are different. There's a spiritual rule. You'll get that money back. You don't have to worry about it. Taira, you get that money back. Spend it on Shabbos and Yantiv, you get that money back. You don't have to worry. Amazing thing. And if you spend less, you get back less. So there's a spiritual principle here. It's good to give up your money for these things. That's what the Medrash is saying. Don't fall into the trap of Esau. Don't fall into the trap of the West, which says, hey, you only get what you get. No, it doesn't, those rules don't apply. We're talking about something spiritual. Now the Medrash tells us an amazing example of this concept. Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yechonah was walking along. He was on a, on a stroll. Or maybe it was more than a stroll. It was a, it was a trip. He went from Tveria to Tzipari, which is, a, I don't know, the distance between the two places, but he was on a trip. Rabbi Yechonah was there with him. He was supporting him. I guess Rabbi Yechonah was a little bit older at the time. He needed somebody to help him along. They passed by a particular field. Rabbi Yechanan was a great Torah scholar, was a great sage, one of the greatest of his time. Talmud of Rav, of Rishlakish. So he turned to Rabbi Yechanan and Rabbi Yechanan said, you know, you see this field that we're passing by? This field was my field. I sold it because I wanted to learn. Doesn't seem it's not so clear exactly what it means, but I would say, as per the, what the Medrash seems to be saying, he gave up his field. He sold his field so that he could spend his time learning. He didn't want to be involved in his parnas and his livelihood. He they passed by a particular vineyard. He said this was also my vineyard, and I sold it so that I could learn Torah. I gave it up. They passed by an olive orchard. He said, this olive orchard was also mine. I gave it away so I could merit to learn Torah. His student who was with him, he started to cry. What are you crying about? You didn't leave anything for your old age. What's going to be when you get old? What are you going to do? Where's your pension? You don't have that field. If you own a field, someone could work the field, someone could tend to it. You could have money in your old age. What's going to be? Amar Lehi, Tzubiechanan said to him, Kalihi b'nech mashesisi. What do you think? Do you think that what I did is not valuable? Do you think that what I did was an easy thing, was a light thing, wasn't a significant thing. I sold something 
which is part of the physical realm, which was created in six days. And I acquired something which was given in 40 days. The Torah, which Moshe Rabbeinu stood on Mount Sinai, in Har Sinai, for 40 days and 40 nights, in order to receive. It's much greater. 40 days is how long it took for that to be given over into this world, into the physical realm. The world only created, you know, it's created in six days. It was much more limited. It doesn't have that awesome power. Pasuk says in Shemais, the Moshe Rabbeinu was there with God, as it were, for 40 days and 40 nights. Where it says, says, I sat, I dwelled upon the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So Rabbi Yechanan is teaching us an amazing thing, an incredible thing, which I think on the most simplest level parallels what we do on Sukkot, right? Leave, your phys- leave the physical realm, leave your permanent home. Sit down in your Sukkah. Sit down in a place which seems to be Arai, which seems to be impermanent, right? We're sitting in the Sukkah. How long do we have these walls up? Seven days, we take them down, go back inside, right? But it seems to be that this is impermanent, but no. This is the Tzivi Hashem. This is God's will that we sit in our sukkah. When we attach ourselves to something spiritual, something which was given in 40 days, the amount of time it took for God to give it over to Moshe teaches us that even though it seems that it's, it's awry, it seems that it's impermanent, but no, this is the real keva. This is the thing that really lasts forever. It's the spiritual things. So the things that are seem insignificant to the world at large. That seem insignificant to Asa. What do you mean you gotta take care of yourself? You gotta how are your children going to survive? How are they going to make it in the world? How are they gonna have the wherewithal? How are they gonna have parnas? How are they gonna have livelihood? Yachnan teaches us, the Majr teaches us. No, give that up. You can't make money and also have Torah. You can't have eternal life and also try to have physical life. You gotta make sure that your focus is unidirectional. Your focus is in one place, and that is on the Torah. Give up everything. Give up your fields. Give up your vineyards. Give up your olive orchards so you can have Torah. That's Rabbi Yechanan. That's what we learned from Rabbi Yechanan. It says in Medrash Kadimoch Rabbi Yechanan. When Rabbi Yechanan passed away, Havadere Kari Olav. So his generation called upon him. They said a, a, a husband about him. person will give up all of the treasures of his home with the love that Rabbi Yechanan had for the Torah. Because of this great love that he had, he gave up all of his treasures, all of his wealth. So then, he will acquire of uh, Biza. Biza means the, that which is plundered, right? In a war, so if you win a war, so you get the spoils. That's the, that which is plundered is called Biza. Someone who has the proper love for Torah is willing to give up in this world. In the end, he wins the war. He takes in the spoils, the true spoils, which are incredible reward, the spiritual reward that's waiting, which interestingly, the Yitzhak says, is the Bizas Goigum Mogig. There is a wealth that the Jewish people will attain 
after the war of Gog and Magog, the final war before Mashiach comes, before the Messiah arrives, there's an incredible wealth that's given over to the Jewish people, which is represented by the wealth of Yosef, the wealth that he collected throughout the entire world. That's something that the Jewish people get in the end. It's also something that each individual receives. Rabbi Yechanan was able to receive. Why? Because he was somebody whose focus was Torah, he was willing to give up everything in this world to get the ultimate plunder, so to speak, the ultimate reward, which is the reward of the world to come. And now the Medrash brings it back to the beginning of the Medrash. Right? We said, you shall take on the first day the lulav, the esrig, Araminim, the four species. He says like this, and this ties in the concept of it seems like we're giving something away. It seems like we're giving up money when we're learning Torah. It seems like we have to give up this world. We have to walk out of our dearest Kevin in order to, to be Shabbat dear Sarai, to live in the impermanent, the seemingly impermanent world, which is the true permanent world. We find there's a reward for taking. A lekicha. There was a taking that the Jewish people did in, in Egypt when they left Egypt. Pasik says in Egypt, the Jewish people were commanded to take a hyssop branch, a, a bundle. They took that branch and that bundle and they dipped it in the blood and they put the blood on the doorposts. Right? In that merit, they were redeemed from Egypt because they followed the command of God. Now, how much do you think it cost? This hyssop bundle. It didn't cost that much, but or money, whatever, a small amount of money. What was their reward? They got the spoils of the sea, right? When the Egyptians were killed at, the, at, at Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds. So all of their wealth came up on the side. Jewish people received all that wealth. They came into Israel, they got all the wealth of these great kings, and 31 kings of, of the of the Eretz Canaan, of the Canaan land, which became Eretz Yisrael, land of Israel. So, they did a small thing. They did a small thing which gave them the merit to be able to be taken out of Egypt and in turn be able to get an incredible amount of wealth, an incredible reward. And of course, the physical reward in this case is representative of the spiritual reward. Lulav Shaimed al Adam, become a dummy, become a mitzvah, and a lulav and an esrog, how much does it cost? Okay, it's a little expensive today perhaps. A little cheaper if you use the Knights of Besden. Uh, the Knights of Besden, esrog. But what does it cost? What's the investment? What's the investment? It costs a little bit. And what an incredible reward awaits the person who fulfills this mitzvah. Allah has come of a kama. Certainly, the, the, the lulav has more components than the, the Agudas Ezev that they, they, they took to themselves in Egypt, the hyssop branch they used to place the blood. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu exhorts the Jewish people and he says to us, you shall take on the first day. Right? It's an interesting language. Why does the Pasuk say, you shall take for yourselves? What's lekachtem lachem? You shall take for yourself. Say lekachtem. You shall take. Say, uh, right. The mitzvah is really to pick it up and to shake it. Vinyanetem. You should you should shake the lulav and esrog. 
You should pick it up. Why is he lekachtem? Says the Medrash, it says lekachtem because you are taking something incredible. It looks like you're giving something away. It looks like you're spending money and you're losing the money. A person gives up money in order to be able to learn. It looks like they're giving up. They don't have the, the same level of parnasa, of livelihood, as others who are invested in their businesses. Says the Medrash, don't make that mistake. When you, when you invest, it's an investment. When you give up your money to do a mitzvah, when you give up your money in order to learn Torah, when you give up the pleasures of this world in order to do something which doesn't seem as significant perhaps in the eyes of the people around us, in the, in the eyes of the cultures around us, you should know, you're taking something for yourself. It's a small investment now that produces incredible income later. It produces incredible spiritual rewards for later. I'd like to read you one more medrash at the very end here of this section on the Lachem. We're speaking about the fact that you get the Bezos Goygumagog, right? We get the ultimate reward. The reward of Goygumagog. We get all of the all of the physical blessings in this world as well. Come to us, just as the Jewish people experienced when they when they left Egypt. They got the Bezos Hayom, as we mentioned. They got the money at the sea. They got the money when they came into Israel. They got the money from destroying the nations of of Oig and Sichon. We also will get that. We also will receive. Have no fear. If you invest in something spiritual, in the end, you also get the physical realm. Says Rabbi Brachia in the name of Rabbi Levi, and he hones in on the word Harishin, which means the first. She'll take for yourselves on the first day. In the merit of taking the lul of an esrog on the first day, what's the first? Hashem says, I want you to know. I'm going to reveal myself to you first, to the Jewish people. We will experience God's presence first. Hashem is going to exact His judgment upon the first one. Who is the first one? The Ace of Arusha. Hashem is going to exact His judgment upon Ace of the West, the world of Ace of. Because says, He came out first. He was the Bechor, he came out first. So in the merit of taking the Lulav and Esrig, Hashem is going to punish the one who came out first. And He will build for us the most important thing, the first, the first building, which is the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple, Jeremiah the prophet refers to the Beis Hamikdash as the first place, the place of of our sanctuary. And God will bring to us the first, the great human being, which is the King Mashiach, the Messiah. Refers to him as the first of Zion. The first of Zion. Here he is, and to Jerusalem I will bring someone who gives those good tidings. It's an amazing thing. Small mitzvah. Small mitzvah. Great opportunity. The mitzvah of Lulav and Esther is an incredible opportunity. The mitzvahs of Sukkot remind us what is important. How can we get 
to that ultimate reward that we're all waiting for, that moment in time that we're all waiting for. How do we get there? We get there through these mitzvahs, through these commandments, through fulfilling the Word of God, through learning the Torah, through focusing on spirituality, by giving up that which we have in this world and focusing completely on our spiritual lives, our relationship with Hashem, the instructions that He gives us in the Torah. This is the path to reach the ultimate reward, which is Rishon. Interesting, right? It's Rishon. Why is it the first? It's because this is... We talk about the fact that God brings about in the end that which He originally thought. Right? The whole process of all of human history, it's all about getting us to this point in time of Mashiach, the Messiah. And that involves the destruction of the Western culture. It involves the destruction of the falsehoods of the world, of all that Esav would have us believe is important. Lama Tishkulun Esav, why do you have to make money in the lands of Esav? That's not it. That's not what it's about. Where's our focus? Is our focus on Tyra? Shlomo Melech teaches us, if your focus is on the first thing, which is the Tyra, if your focus is on the first thing, which is the mitzvahs, the the mitzvah of Lulav, the mitzvah of Esrig, if that is your focus, then you will merit to see that which Hashem first thought of, which is Mashiach, the Messiah, the Beis HaMikdash, and the incredible rewards that await us in those times. I want to bless you, ask you to bless me, Hashem should help us. We should be zeich, we should merit to indeed fulfill these mitzvahs with joy. We should be able to give up that which seems so glamorous and so important to the world around us. We should be able to give that up for what's really important, for Torah, for relationship with Hashem, and for the mitzvahs. Thanks so much for listening. Have an amazing Shabbos and a wonderful Sukkot. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.